Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Roger, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all our work at texasfootball.com. Woo, getting a little ahead of myself there. <laughs> find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash davecampbells. Find us on Twitter, twitter.com slash dctf. Uh, find us on Instagram. Find us, obviously, our magazine and stores. You can also subscribe at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Ooh, a little bit of a sloppy start to the show, but we got Ishmael Johnson in the house. Ish, how you doing? Yo, what's up, man? Doing well, doing well. Nice, nice. Well, whew, man, football season just takes it out of you. <laughs> I know, right? Once you, uh, we, we talk about getting into a routine, but then you realize, oh, this routine's kind of draining sometimes. <laughs> oh, the, the routine's tough, and then, obviously, I mean, you being the basketball editor, yeah, there's all of that too. going, too, yeah, yeah. and, uh, I mean, hmm, let's... Uh, you know, maybe I'm not as far along as I wish I was when it comes to my basketball content, yeah. but it, it all comes together. In the end. <laughs> right. it, all, it all comes together. It all, but whew, anyway, I've been sleeping a lot, but week three is in the books. We have, uh, we kind of have things starting to sort of uh, come together right mm-hmm. now. We're starting to figure things out, but we have to start with some sad news. Alan Bowman, uh, the Texas Tech quarterback, looks like he'll be out for several weeks uh, after suffering a shoulder injury. And I want to be clear, okay, so there were some rumors going around Twitter that it was going to be six to eight weeks. We don't necessarily know exactly how long it's going to be. The phrasing they used was a couple weeks, Mm -hmm. or several weeks, rather. Um, But just losing Alan Bowman, I mean, how much do you think that hurts this team? Golly. Um, I mean... How much did it hurt them last year? <laughs> a lot. Um, and so I, I think when you're looking at working in a new offense, and especially an offense that Alan Bowman looked to fit so well under Matt Wells, man, this is devastating. Um, I don't know if somebody like a Jet Duffy or um, who's their other quarterback that they have on the Jackson roster? Tyner, Jackson right, Tyner, grad transfer. I don't know if they fit the mold of what they're looking for per se. We know that Jet Duffy definitely didn't fit what cliff wanted to do um because he was a highly titled recruit and kind of fell down the pecking order behind guys like alan bowman um and mclean carter of course and i don't know we've seen we i I don't want to write off him yet in this system judd duffy or tyner in this system right now because we don't know what they look like but we saw this last year and we saw how tech relied so much on granted then kind of unknown unproven alan bowman but still we saw how good they can be and we saw how bad they looked once he went out yeah, well, and, and just looking back at last year, he went out in the fifth game of the year against West Virginia for the first time with mm-hmm. the collapsed lung, and they were playing really well against West Virginia. They had a chance to compete, and I don't know if they would have won the game with him in there, but it certainly would have been a lot closer. Yep. The next two weeks, they have that crazy game against TCU uh, that ends up being 17-14 mm-hmm. because the Cliff Kingsbury team won with 17 points. Right. Uh, he comes back for Kansas, plays well. Uh, has an all right game against Iowa State. This is still Bowman at this point. Mm-hmm. Gets hurt against Oklahoma. And then from there on out, it's Oklahoma loss, Texas loss, Kansas State loss, Baylor loss. Yep. And, I mean, again, it's easy to forget this team started 5-2 and two yep. last year before yep. Alan Bowman went out and things kind of fell apart. Mm-hmm. And I, after the first two weeks of the year, I thought maybe Tech is a little bit further along than we thought. Mm-hmm. But... Then against Arizona, you know, when you play a real competition, uh, it, it just it was the offense. I mean, we talked right. about it on Sunday, but it was the offense just did not look like we all kind of expected it to look. I think there's an assumption, you know, when when you watch Texas Tech for all these years mm-hmm. between Mike Leach and even between Neil Brown as offensive coordinator and between Cliff Kingsbury, there's sort of just this expectation that the offense is going to be there. Sure. And to an extent with Alan Bowman, I think that's true. But without Alan Bowman, I mean, when you talk about Jet Duffy, I mean, we saw last year, Jet Duffy's best passing performance. Well, actually, no, he actually had a great game against Texas. Now that I think I about remember it. That, yeah. yeah, he had a great game against Texas, actually threw for 444 yards. I didn't realize it was wow, that many. I did not know that, that much. Um, yeah, yeah, me neither. Me neither. I totally forgot about that. But, uh, but after that game, yeah. his best performance was for 190 yards against TCU. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and maybe he can come in and give what he gave against Texas. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it is kind of interesting that Tyner has been the first guy off the bench right. in so many of these games. Yeah, I noticed that uh, uh, Don Williams had that story up when he uh, that he mentioned Jackson Tyner being the guy who's 
held down that backup quarterback spot all throughout camp. And you're wondering, like, okay, does that show something? Maybe, I mean, maybe he just is a better fit for Matt Wells, or I mean, or is that something maybe we're maybe Matt Wells isn't seeing something from Jed Duffy that he wants to see? Well, I think that the thing that maybe you're hoping that you get with Tyner is, you know, I mean, I know that the numbers make uh, Jed Duffy look pretty good passing the ball, but he's a kind of inconsistent passer. I mean, there's a reason that that Cliff didn't throw him a lot other than against Texas really last year. And, you know, maybe you're hoping that if you want a quarterback who's going to kind of drop back and throw maybe Jackson Tyner's a better guy to do that. Right, he's a big quarterback, traditional size. Right, right. And, I mean, he didn't show a ton during his time at Rice, but at the same time, he's played more football at this point than Chet Duffy has played. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you also kind of look at... You also look at the last quarterback Matt Wells worked with. I mean, Jordan Love. Yep. He's yep. a big quarterback. Like, sure. Big body, traditional size. That might be what he looks for. And he was probably over- willing to overlook that when he came to Tech as far as Alan Bowman's concerned because Bowman's oh, yeah. talent oh, yeah. transcends that. But Jackson Tyner might be more in line with his mold of what he wants. Well, and I think at the same time, too, uh, the, the thing that you remember is that with this offense, and we talked about this a little bit after the game last week, mm-hmm. David Yost likes to run a vertical passing game. Sure. And Big arm. Yeah, and Jet Duffy does not have that vertical passing ability that we've seen in college. At sure, least. sure. You sure. know, we saw it obviously at, at Lake Ridge, mm-hmm. but it's been a long time since that. A lot's happened. Um, and, and by the way, he's been hurt too. Like, absolutely. Who knows if injuries have hampered his career. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you look at just the, the wide receiver room that they have right now too. I mean, TJ Vasher, Dalton Rigdon, Xavier Wyatt, McLean Mannix, uh, Ayers. Eric Ezekama, who hasn't even really been a factor so far. R.J. Turner, who mm-hmm. you know caught you know a bunch of passes for for ULM before transferring. I mean, they have so many guys in that wide receiver room who could be really special. Yeah, that didn't even count like a Kishon Carter, who I didn't even mention. Right. Um, you know, they just have so many guys, mm-hmm. and you think maybe if you can have a guy like Jackson Tyner come in and just do the right thing, mm-hmm. not make mistakes. Because look at the talent level at Rice in the wide receiver room when he was starting versus at Texas Tech, it's not comparable. (laughs) Right. Um, But I will say, I think, if nothing else, still, what all that's happened, it just puts a real damper on this first season for Texas Tech. Oh, for sure. And, I mean, they added a bunch of grad transfers because they wanted to compete to a certain Mm -hmm. extent right away. Now, I don't think that they thought that they were going to win nine games this year by any means, Mm -hmm. but, you know, they wanted to compete for a bowl. And, the one thing that I'll say, I will say one thing. Mm. The one blessing in disguise is that maybe this takes a little bit of pressure off of Matt Walls' first staff. Oh, for sure. I mean, it was looking like they were gonna, they they should be gunning for a dark horse big twelve. Like if right, you know, you were looking at this roster, uh, the schedule and was like, okay, if they upset a team one or two, you know, Texas or Baylor here and there, you know, who knows what we're talking about? And you know, might it, it realistically, it was probably gonna be a little bit, you know, that, that I don't want to say that was smoke and mirrors, but like. I don't know if you wanted to put that much pressure right away in Matt Wells' first year. They they looked great, but again, pump the brakes. Last week against yeah. Arizona was something that might need to be considered. Um, I mean, I will say the good news for Tech is that it's his non-throwing arm. Yes. So it's not, yes. you know, it's something that isn't going to, you know, when he comes back, the, the, the ball should be spinning fine, right? It's not going to yeah. be yeah. hampering his mechanics, things like that. Um, I don't want to say that because, I mean, your non-throwing is imperative to your mechanics, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. He's yeah. not going to lose arm strength because of this. Yeah, that's um, the hope. That's and, the hope. Or, it's, not, or it's, not, it's still not the collapsed lung issue. It's something yes. new. It's not something uh, aggravated or something like that. Right. And, I mean, that's the thing that I think you always have to think about with these kinds of players is if it's if it's just that things are happening, right. like, you know what, he just got landed on. Yeah. That's what happened. Right. You know, and at least it's not a physiological response in the same way that we saw before sure. you know because that's that's then something where you have to start that's talking scary. about his future right you know and this is this is an injury this is something that happens a football injury right uh but but at least hopefully you know this doesn't end up being sort of a long-term issue mm-hmm. uh is the hope is the hope obviously um but you know we, we can go ahead and get moving on to the games because there's there's a lot of really good games this week i oh, think yeah. um you know, and, and we're going to start with the Thursday game. I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, hopefully you're listening before Thursday night because Houston travels to Tulane, 7 p.m. on ESPN. This is a weird game. I, I don't... So Tulane is a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this mm-hmm. game, so we're picking against that. But I don't know what Tulane is at this point, and I really, really don't know what Houston is at this point. Yeah. Um. Jeez. 
Because Tulane, I don't know how much I want to. Like you said, it's it's weird to where they're at. They've played FIU, they lost at number ten Auburn, and they played Montana State. Okay, cool. They're two and one. That's what you expect. Yeah. Or maybe I mean I don't know. Maybe maybe that FIU when heading into the season, people thought FIU would be better, but. And Tulane, I don't think, had a lot of momentum going into this year. So maybe they've surprised a, a little bit, uh, some people with how that game turned out. And maybe the fact that they've looked this good reinstalling the triple option under uh, Willie Fritz um, after kind of running away from it, maybe they've looked better than people thought. But you still, again, you still don't know if that's just FIU is a lot worse than we thought or, you know, something along those lines. And I, I, I haven't I, been I, impressed. Say, I think this line is right. Yeah. I think this line is right. I think this is a home field advantage for Tulane. Right. Um, and I think based on what we've seen from both teams, I have to feel more confident in what Tulane's shown right now. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, you get two teams that both played against, uh, you know, power five top 20 opponents, mm-hmm. right? And I think that Houston definitely looked better in their game, but also obviously Tulane played the better team. Sure. Um. You know, I, I just don't know whether FIU is that special. I, I, I think that they lost a decent amount. Sure. Uh, I mean, Conference USA also just heading into this year looks very poor right now, mm-hmm. which is kind of disappointing in a, in a way. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I really don't exactly know what to do. I think that you're right. That sort of because when you talk about betting lines, three points is usually standard right. for uh, for home away. Um, you know, Tulane last year they go seven and six. You know, they beat Navy down the stretch. They but they get killed by Houston. I mean, mm-hmm. they they lose forty eight seventeen to Houston when they played last year. Now, these are the sort of games that Houston has to have. You know, because you look at that schedule, it doesn't get a whole lot easier than mm-hmm. than this game. Because you know, if you're if you're kind of struggling, I mean, you go to UNT, which is going to be weird. Cincinnati, SMU at UCF, Memphis. I mean, there's a lot of tough games on the schedule. So in some ways, I'm not going to say that they have to have this game by any means, yeah. but it's a game that they really probably should have. Mm-hmm. And probably I think that cuz I do think that they haven't totally put everything out there when it comes to playing Washington State and Oklahoma. I think that they've saved some concepts for these games that that really are 50-50 games that matter. Sure. Because again, you lose to Oklahoma, you lose to Washington State, that's just a thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Now the question I guess to me is whether Dana Holgerson's going to be able to run Derek King as much as he did last week and sure. find as much success and kind of get him moving even in the passing game because mm-hmm. that's been a real issue for them. He's not going to stand in the pocket and deliver. I mean, this is just not Will Greer. This is not, you know, whoever you want to, Gardner Minshew. Right. He's just not one of those players. But I think that Houston's going to find a way. I think that they're going to unload some stuff that. I mean, especially in the fourth quarter, if this game is close, I think you're going to see some things that they were skeptical to release last week. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take Houston um, to cover. And I mean, I might as well say, I mean, I think they're going to win outright. Okay. Um, they yeah, need I mean, it. They need it back. Right. They definitely, I will say they definitely need it. Um, I'm kind of in the same boat. Yeah. I think now one thing to watch here is that Tulane has not, including Auburn, they yep. have not allowed a team to rush for over four yards a carry. Whew. They've uh, they held good. off with a 3.8 yards a carry. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, Bo Nix played okay. He was 19 to 37, but and that was after his huge emotional win, so that might have just been kind of a yeah, emotional a letdown, let you know. But, sure. Um, man, this is tough because Houston hasn't been great against the run, and Tulane's already approaching 1,000 yards rushing on the season. <laughs> They're oh at boy. 768 right now. That's, uh, that's not great. 4.9 yards a carry. But I think that because Houston needs this game more, okay, um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Houston. I think that, and I just think that when you look at the when you look at the roster and the makeup of both teams, Houston's athletes have to win out. They have to, like, they have to win out. This is a game where you're like, it's us versus a yes, it's the New Orleans area, but it's not necessarily New Orleans uh, prime New Orleans talent, right? They're probably going to LSU or something like that. No, I mean, um, where is Tulane in that pecking order? I mean, I think that right. you can make the argument that ULL is ahead of them. Sure. You know, I think that you can make the argument that that uh, Houston is recruiting sure. uh, New Orleans kids ahead of them. Sure. You know, I mean, it's it's not necessarily. I mean. Willie Fritz is a great coach, sure. and that's that's kind of the thing right now is that he has a roster that matches what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I think that a lot of people from Tex probably remember Corey Dauphin, yeah. um, you know, who from Port Arthur. He's been one of their best rushers so far this year. 
obviously the quarterback at it's Justin McMillan, right? Um, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, Cedar Hill. So, mm-hmm. um, so you so know they, they, they've they got ha- Texas guys. They, they have talent. They have Texas guys. I just feel like I mean when you look at the grand pecking order of college football, Houston supposed to be the better team. Supposed to be the better recruited team. The better Definitely. athletes. Um, I believe. I believe. I want to say Fritz is only recruited in the top five once in in AAC. Okay. Um. So I mean, again, he's he's known for making guys better. Um. From that crop of probably uh, uh, diamonds in the rough. But sure. I, like I said, I th- I just think Houston needs this game more. I think this is going to be a breakout game for them going into a very pivotal stretch of the season. Now, the one thing that I'll say, uh, one thing that I did see yesterday is that Patrick Carr looks like he's going to be out for the year. Ooh, okay. um, and that's I, now they have running backs. Mm-hmm. You know, they have guys, they have bodies back there. Kyle Porter yeah. looks like a huge addition, right? Now, you know, after that. Um, but losing your top running back is never going to be easy. Right. And and I mean, while I like Kyle Porter, he's not my favorite running back, mm-hmm. and yeah, he just hasn't shown what I want him to show in college. Sure. And and Mel Bakari, you know, been a little on and off. I think you're going to have to run Derek King a lot more, which I don't think is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that is the one sort of big concern that you worry about is that, you know, that running back room all of a sudden looks a little shaky after coming into the year, feeling like that could be a strength. Right. Okay, moving on. Rice versus Bo- Bay. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. I am <laughs> just – I've been here late a lot of nights. I'm trying to work on a couple of features. I, I – it's getting away from me. It's oh, getting yeah. away from me here. <laughs> anyway. <Pretty. laughs> Rice versus Baylor. I can't even say my own alma mater. My gosh. 6 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. Baylor is a 26-point favorite. This, I don't know. I If Rice shows what they showed last week, which is not very much at all, mm-hmm. then they're going to have an issue covering. But at the same time, I mean, the thing that you say, too, is that I think the final was 48-13 last week against Texas. Right. And that's 35, and is Texas, you know, 10, 10 points better than Baylor? I, I mean, it's it's close. It's close. I do think that Baylor, you know, they, have a, they had a bye last week. Mm-hmm. You know, they had some time to prepare. And the other thing, too, that I'll say is that I thought that UTSA would put up a fight against them, and sure, they got they the hell beat out they of them. My fight at all. God. So, I, yeah, I don't know. So what's, 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 what's your pick? Because I... Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go with Baylor. I think okay. that you know you mentioned it a few weeks ago after they played that uh, after they played that UTSA game. Maybe that's just an indicator that hey, this Baylor team is really good. Yeah, you know, because I and I think that's definitely possible because you know coming into the year, I I kind of said you know this is a dark horse team to convince to uh, excuse me compete for the Big Twelve sure. because one of the way the schedule sets up. Mm-hmm. But then, too, and more importantly, just because of look at the places where you have experience now. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got an experienced quarterback. You've got an elite wide receiver room, one of the best in the state. You can protect that quarterback. You can protect that quarterback because you've got eight or nine guys that you feel good about. And, and again, I mean, I said it coming into the year, too. It was a great sign that Baylor could bench a bunch of guys who have started games for them. Sure. You know, Xavier Newman, um, a big-time player, I want to say from DeSoto, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he started as a true freshman, and now they're talking about redshirting him because they might not need him this year. Yeah. That's huge. Mm-hmm. You know, the, f- the fact that you can start to not play guys that are struggling, I mean, it, it doesn't sound like much. Playing, yeah. But, but it, the fact that they can make decisions is a big deal. And mm-hmm. defensively, they're in a similar place. I think that Graylin Arnold has been tremendous since moving to safety. Uh, I mean, he was a great cornerback, but I think having him in that safety role has been great. This team might just be good, sure. right? This team just might be good. And not that we'll learn that versus Rice, but I do think that they're going to go out there and try to put forward a Texas performance. And I think here's, the, here's why I'm agreeing with you also. We haven't really seen the Charlie Brewer game yet. No. That's it. Oh, no. And I think one of these games, especially before you get into the Iowa States, the you know, the Oklahoma States, the can't even the Kansas States at this rate of the schedule, I think I'm wanting to see that. I'm wanting I'm wanting to see granted they've looked balanced and they've looked great when they've looked balanced, and that's probably what you want. Uh when you want if you're saying Baylor's a contender, you want them to be balanced. Yeah. But I still think we're looking for that Charlie Brewer game. The game that you know, okay, here's the top here's one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Twelve. Here's really why they can contend. Yeah. And I think coming off a week of a bye, coming off a great overall team performance against UTSA, going into that bye, I think to, I think this week's the week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and Rice has struggled against the pass, so this would be yeah. a perfect week to do it. And they've yep. been pretty good against the run. Right. So, you know, this would be the week for them to show it. There's a funny thing. I'm looking at Charlie Brewer's stats right now. Mm-hmm. 2017, 2018, 2019 through two games so far. 
He's averaged exactly 7.7 yards per pass attempt That's every wild. single year. That's wild. That, <laughs> that, that is crazy consistency. Yeah, seriously, that is wild. <laughs> but, um, you know, obviously, it's too early to say anything sure, about sure. what that means right now. Uh, I mean, he's only done 47 passes all year. But I, I do agree. I think that this could be a week where we see that breakout. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, again, if you're Baylor, the biggest thing that you want to see is you want to see, one, that they're able to control the line of scrimmage and run the ball. And you want to see, too, that they're able to kind of shut down the pass game and not give up big plays. And right. I think Rice just doesn't have a whole lot to, I think, right now to, to match up with what Baylor's going to do. I think, right. like Texas last week, it's a bad matchup. So, sure, what the hell? Give me a Baylor plus four touchdowns. Uh, let's let's skip this next one because I want to talk about it more. Actually, let's skip these next three okay. because I want to yeah, talk. No, these, these, I, I those those are the three uh, sort of headliners. Um, let's move on to your your Bobcats. Okay. Texas State versus Georgia State. Mm-hmm. Uh, Six p.m. on ESPN three. Georgia or is, are they three or are they plus? I think it's plus uh, actually. Let me see. Sorry. I, yeah, I think it's, it's actually ESPN plus. Yeah, it's it's plus. Which, by the way, j- just a quick tangent. A lot of Big Twelve fans were pissed as hell because. All of a sudden, their conference games are going on ESPN Plus. It's the it's the times. <laughs> yeah, I got to say, man, it we are th- this is what this is. Okay, uh-huh. this is ESPN is eventually going to leave your cable package. Yeah, right. They're going to leave, and they're going to have their own streaming service, and you're going to have to pay for it if you want to watch college football. Right. So, like, you know, and if you're a Big Twelve fan, I understand. Like, being behind a paywall kind of feels bad. You mm-hmm. know, it feels like you're a second tier league. But this is where everybody's going to go. And honestly, you know, as somebody who grew up in Big 12 country and went to a Big 12 school, I'd rather them be ahead of it. Right. You know, I'd ra- we talk about like, oh, well, the SC got a network and the Big 12 can't get anything. It's like, well, dedicated streaming content is what that's going to be for everyone in five years. Yep. You know, I mean, that's like Texas and Oklahoma, maybe they can always get true national TV sure, games. Sure. But like... If you're not one of those, like... No offense, but Iowa State, Kansas State, you're going to be on Plus. Right, like, right. And, and <laughs> if like, you're not a national brand, right. you're likely going to be on Plus. And the one that the one that people are annoyed about is Kansas State, Oklahoma State, which legit could be a top 25 It's going to be a fun. Yeah, it's going to be a fun it, game. It could be a great game. But, like, yeah, man, I don't know. Like, this is what it's going to be. This is going to be the future of this What time thing. is that game? Uh, State, this one's in two weeks. So, okay. yeah, that one's in so two weeks. I'm it's a night to... game, though. Okay, it's so it's a night game. So, again... You're asking right. you're asking ESPN to potentially bump <laughs> right. their game day game or something right. oh, with the Big Ten, or, or you can play at 11 a.m. and maybe we can put you on FS1. Right? Come so on, it's like what you do you want? want? Your, you want your time slot? Yeah. Or, you know, it, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, I mean, I, everybody's going. I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to sell you anything, like, right? Because uh, except for a, a subscription, obviously, to TechFool.com. Sure. But uh, but I mean, look, there's just a reality that if you want to be a true channel surfer and really keep track of college football. You need plus. I'm sorry. I, I'm not. Exactly. I'm not thrilled about it. I have to pay for something else. Right. But like, this you need the, it. This is the way it's going. This is the way it's going. Anyway, huge okay. aside. Yeah. Uh, Texas State versus Georgia State. Um. Okay. So let's talk about Georgia State. Sure. <laughs> so they beat Tennessee. Yep. That's the thing that happened. That is the thing that happened. Uh, I, I just have to say it again. They beat Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Anyway, in, in, in Knoxville. <laughs> in Knoxville. In Knoxville. Um. Here's what they've done since then. Yeah. They beat Furman by six points. Mm-hmm. FCS Furman. And then they lost to Western Michigan. Not not PJ Fleck Western Michigan. Right. A good Western Michigan that could compete for the MAC. Yes. Sure. They lost 57 to 10. Yep. So when you have those three data points, and two of them are telling us one thing, mm-hmm. and one of them is telling us the other, I think Georgia State still might be bad. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I think that... Tennessee, the first game against Tennessee was a perfect storm. Yes. <laughs> it's a Georgia State team playing in the SEC. Yeah. Oh, let's go. Let's do this. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. Sean Elliott is, what I've heard, is a good motivator. Yeah. You know, they had all offseason to prepare for that game. And Tennessee, <laughs> as we probably know right now, looks like a tire fire. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so, I th- yeah, I think that game you can just throw out. Congrats. <laughs> right? Congrats. You did it. You, yeah. You, did, you gave use, Tennessee use their worst. Use it to recruit Atlanta, man. Exactly. And you gave Tennessee their worst losses in program history. Yes. But... That does not mean that Georgia State's going to compete with the Sun Belt. Right. Um, I thought that maybe it meant something. I agreed. I thought that maybe Georgia State would be better than we thought. But it, it just hasn't looked like it so far. Not looking like it. I think Texas State being a favorite, despite how bad Texas State's looked in the Two and a half point favorite, by the way. Right. Um, slightly below home field advantage, uh, the typical right. home field advantage favorite uh, uh, spread. But I think that's about accurate. Um, because Texas State hasn't looked good, so you can't really no. say with certainty that they should be a favorite. But I think having them as a slight favorite against a team that's 
basically here's 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 where it comes down to. If Texas State can't move the ball against Georgia State, then Texas State season's done. Yes, <laughs> that that's 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 my that's unless my Brady McBride state. comes in. The unless face Brady today. McBride comes in, and saves the season. <laughs> Which if wants. Texas State cannot move the ball against this Georgia State team, right. no matter who is at quarterback, because apparently it is an open competition again. Yeah, um, their season's done. Yeah, because this is this this along with maybe Coastal should be the teams that they should be moving the ball, if not at will, then definitely pretty you know, close. At will. Right, exactly. So. It's, yeah. It is funny that uh, you mentioned those two teams, and you do have Georgia State who beat Tennessee, and you have Coastal who beat Kansas. Oh, that's true. I forgot two teams that beat <laughs> FC, FBS team or a uh, couple five of a uh, couple of Power Five winners there. That is funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that, that's that's basically my take. Is yes, Texas State looked like crap against SMU. Yeah, right. And what looks to be a good SMU team, but still sure. looked like crap on offense. Defense gave out late. That cannot be the case against Georgia State, right? Well, well, here, here, your excuses are gone now, right? You're, t- you're playing teams on your level now. So, so, and and here's the one thing that you say too, okay? Yeah. Is that uh, SP Plus? Uh, you know, Bill Connolly sat over at ESPN. Now, mm-hmm. um, it's very early. Many of the metrics are still predictive, so sure. they're not all just what's happened still this season. With off season and last year and stuff like that. Where do you think Georgia State ranks out of 130 teams in defense? 125. 129. Oh, wow. So, Man. so they are 53 on offense and they are actually 23 on special teams. Sure. Uh, but if Texas State can't move the ball against uh, against Georgia State, that's that's real. There's trouble. no one they can. Who's who's 130? Uh, 130 is UMass. Okay, so they don't play UMass. So they can't move the ball. <laughs> right. If they can't move the ball in Georgia State, they're not moving the ball this season. <laughs> right, right, right. So, and. 128 is Charlotte, who they also don't play. Yeah, so, so again, I mean, yeah, hey, <laughs> this is the best chance to move the ball you and for Jake Spavadol to show that, hey, this offense is making some steps. We right. might not have a quarterback that we feel confident in yet, but. Right. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm taking Texas State. Yep, I, I think that they're able to do it. And, I mean, the other thing, too, is that they played three games that they were always going to lose. Yeah. You know, I mean, and they all, they should have won one. That should, yeah. that should be a tick in the positive. They should have beat Wyoming. Yeah, yeah. And so I want to see – what we saw against Wyoming. Yeah, exactly. You know, I want to see... And Wyoming's a good team, you know, and so I want to see what we saw against Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And and that includes... I mean, honestly, again, at the end of the day, they played out... They played Wyoming well, mm-hmm. and Jensen was able to throw the ball effectively. I mean, he finished with like 376 yards, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's there. It's all there. You just got to get in the end zone this time. Right. <laughs> so, um, I think we'll still see Jensen. Um, yeah. I'd be surprised. But I do remember... I, I, I do know that Spavadol was not he, – he took last week's performance against SMU pretty hard. He was like, all right, this isn't working out. Something's not working out here. Yeah, I, which I get that. But for me, watching that game, I mean, Jensen had some bad plays for yeah. sure. I mean, he, he definitely did not look like what I hoped he would look like against Same. SMU. But I honestly attribute that more to the fact that they could not run the ball at all. That's fair. That's fair. I, I mean, I what are you supposed to do when you're having to make every single play? And yeah. and we talked about you know SMU being able to take away that intermediate passing game, mm-hmm. and Georgia State's not going to be able to do that. Right. You know, so That's now true. that you have those mid plays, and now that you can you know have receivers break through, uh, break free, mm-hmm. you need to capitalize. Yeah. And and I don't just mean Jensen there. I also mean Stitt and Spavital. You mm-hmm. have to capitalize, and you have to be able to move the ball. So. Anyway, both of us have Texas State. I don't think that's a huge surprise. Uh, UTEP versus Nevada, 7 p.m. on ESPN3. UTEP is a 14-point underdog. Uh, Nevada, another team I, th- I think we need to talk about what they've done this year. Mm-hmm. They beat Purdue week one, 34-31, mm-hmm. right? Then they lose. Do you know what the score of the Oregon game was? <sighs> it was a blowout loss. I know that much. What was it? 77 to 6. Oh my god. 77 to 6. Oh my god. They beat a Big 10 team the week before that. Oh Jesus. And then last week against Weber State, who is a good FCS team but right. still an FCS team playing against a an FBS bowl team. 19 to 13 was, was the, the final. Oregon put up 77. I'm sorry. <sighs> Man, it's it's been a little while. That's wild. I, I mean, I, I guess Justin Herbert was just like, well, <laughs> oh, no, my draft stock. <laughs> right, right. Oh, no, my draft stock. Nevada, you're getting it this week. Oh, okay, here, uh, 2017 against Southern Utah. 
Cool. <laughs> so congrats. Cool. You're in Nevada, you're in the same conversation as Southern Utah. Anyway. Cool. <laughs> um, Southern Utah, I believe the team that SFA lost to last week in overtime. Oh, okay. So, uh, you know, Southern Utah giving us headaches. Something, man. something, transitive, <laughs> something, Nevada, Southern Utah. SFA. Anyway, anyway. Um, UTEP is a 14-point underdog, and if I'm being perfectly honest, I don't think that's near enough. I that's mean, that's probably true. I, I just have to see it, man. I just have to see it. And yeah. Nevada again for for the weirdness that they've showed the last two weeks. They were a team that made a bowl game last year. Mm-hmm. You know, they are a pretty good Mountain West team. Um, they will be able to move the ball against UTEP. Mm-hmm. And my question is, will UTEP be able to move the ball against them? Yeah, and I. Mm. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's, so Brandon Jones is still going to be the first quarterback out there. Okay. But Kyle is, Oxley oh, is, is very Kyle much Oxley, back yeah. in the conversation again, um, which says a whole lot more about how Jones has played than how Loxley, how good a player Loxley is right now. Sure. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it's – again, I say it every week. I want to will it into existence that UTEP's a good team, but it just doesn't seem to be that easy. Yeah. Um, we're still on hashtag free Dion Hankins train. Um, it's, it, I, he's going to red shirt mm-hmm. because I mean, he's, he's already not played three games, but he still has four. That still means he has four. I mean, maybe they, I don't know. Wh- when do you think they use the, those games? I mean, cause they play rice. You probably Jeez. use one against rice. You probably use one. Yeah. Um, let me see. The one thing that, that I will say, I mean, and they are lucky that they pulled it off, but right. like not using them against Houston Baptist, you know, when you maybe could have used a boost. I could see, you know. I could see the last four games of the season. Yeah, actually, home the against way Charlotte at UAB at New Mexico State, home against Rice. That's actually, I could see that stretch. That that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I could see that stretch of them using his virtual. That, actually, the schedule it. sets up pretty nicely for them to do that, mm-hmm. just because. At that point, you'll right. be looking at like what one your one win, two wins maybe going yeah, in trying no, to scrap one out against Charlotte. You're one in seven. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, the thing is too is that at UAB is the toughest of those games. Sure. The other, and I'm never gonna call any game ever winnable for UTEP until they start winning games. Sure. But they are as close to winnable as you're gonna get, all yeah. four of them. So, um, you know, yeah. And that, at that point, it's, it'll be the uh, let's see what the kids got time right, of the year, right? right where right, it's right. like yeah, we're one and seven, yeah, freshmen, go right, play. <laughs> right, right. Well, so you don't think that they try to save him for the bowl game? Oh yeah, no, know. definitely, they're not gonna try to save him for the Sun Bowl. <laughs> please, please, Santa Tim will help us. But, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's. I think that that's uh oh, and then the the one other sort of a uh, lower tier game, North Texas versus UTSA, six thirty p.m. on Facebook slash Stadium. Mm-hmm. North Texas is a nineteen point favorite. So okay, North Texas is one and two. Yep. But they looked pretty good against Cal last week on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the fact that they were able to start moving the ball against one of the best defense in college football. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. Yeah. Um, UTSA hasn't showed me anything since that win over Incarnate Word. That's starting to look like just a very conventional win over an FCS team. <laughs> right, right. Well, and I think I think Frank Harris is real still. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. I mean, the one thing, and <laughs> Frank Harris has some weird stat lines. You know, like just just the way that his numbers look at the end of it are really weird because he's really good at like the dump offs. He's really good at making the right decision. Um, but like, for example, against Baylor, he completes 15 of 24 passes, but averages 3.9 yards per pass attempt mm-hmm. for 93 yards. You know, like he completed 23 passes against army, but only three for 187 yards. Like he, he's just really, he's very safe. <laughs> right. It's looking right. like he's very, unless the, it's a little Tyrod Taylory. A little or bit. It's like, little unless bit. that, because again, against, uh, incarnate word, he was making some big throws. Yeah. But unless that looks, it's starting to look like, unless that window's there. Yeah. He's checking down. <laughs> right. Which, there are worse ways to play football. Also true. You know, I mean, there's a reason that Tyrod Taylor, you know, led Buffalo to its first playoff appearance mm-hmm. in 50 billion years. Very true. Um, but, you know, and at the end of the day, he's completed 73% of his passes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't complain with that. Right, There's right. a reality that, you know what, you will take every second of this, mm-hmm. and you should be happy about it, you know? Right. Um, but at the same time, I do want to see him throw the ball downfield a little more. And part of, part of it is the receivers, too, aren't, yeah. aren't necessarily getting open either. Um, but I want to see a little bit more of it. Uh, I would like to see 
UTSA run Harris a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I think that that's going to be a pretty easy thing for them to do against. Yeah, I mean, North Texas, Ladarius Hamilton is an elite defensive end. And other than that, they're still working on contain. Yeah. You know, so that's that's something that I'd really like to see them do is um, is try to get him into space a little bit, mm-hmm. have some designed runs, have some bootlegs for him to run with. Um, and, and I think that if, if they can do that, I mean, they're still going to lose. Um, and I still think they're probably going to lose by more than 19. Probably. Um, just because also North Texas is going to be mad as hell. Yeah. <laughs> after they're going to be mad. I will say the one thing I would like, to, the one thing I would keep an eye on, I'm still taking North Texas to cover. Um, the, I don't know how motivated UTSA was for the past two games. Sure. I just don't know. And I don't know how motivated they should have. I mean, Army, yeah, sure. But like. North, there, there's something about North Texas and UTSA. I feel no, it, it, uh, a couple years ago, when both teams were at their peak. They played a great game inside Apogee. Um, again, UTSA was better at that point, so I don't want to say it's going to happen this time. But there's a there's a little bit more I feel like with this game than going against a Big Twelve team or going against Army. So I'm gonna. Uh, that's the only thing I'm gonna say. Keep an eye on because. I mean, we've seen – there's only been – let's put it this way. Out of the three games, there's only been one game that UTSA's really wanted to win, and it was the first game. They wanted to shut everyone up. So so UNT and UTSA have played six times mm-hmm. in, in program – well, obviously, UTSA hasn't been around very long. Right. Uh, remember, the spread is 19, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, 24-21. The year before that, 29-26. Uh, the one blowout was actually – I believe this was the Marcus Davenport. No, no, no. This was the year before that. Yes. Thirty-one uh, seventeen. I mean, he was on the team office, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Um, the year before that, thirty to twenty-three. The year before that, thirty-four twenty-seven. The year before that, twenty-one thirteen. So, so it has it, been it's been outside of game. of single digits one time ever. Yeah. And it was a UTSA win. I want to say. Because there's a regional thing here, too. Yeah. Because it's a DFW versus San Antonio thing. It's an I-35 game. It's an I-35 game. There have been there's some DFW kids playing for UTSA, vice versa with San Antonio. Actually, I don't know if North Texas has San Antonio kids, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. It's a regional pride game. Um, honestly, I'd say this is probably the closest thing UTSA has to an in-conference rival. Yeah. Because um, it's them in Texas State. Yeah, it's them in Texas State. And, oh, man. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's enough for me to go against the spread for say UTSA can cover. But historically, it's been that way. But I, I, I still think this year, because you mentioned it, North Texas should be mad as hell, and they should be looking to light this team up at home in Apogee. It's enough for me to go against, and I'm picking UTSA to All cover. All right, there you go. Okay, okay you can lose yourself. Oh, oh, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I honestly forgot to what extent these games have been way too close. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is crazy levels of being too I mean, close. again, if it's anything like two years ago where North Texas had to win on a last-second throw, like it, right. was, it was one of the best games I saw that year, I'm, I'm hoping it's the same Well, way. and I mean, again, with all of these things, the, the issue is that North Texas, like the, the last couple of years, North Texas has been better. Yeah. The last two years. And it's still been close. And it's been a combined <laughs> six points. Yeah. I mean, like a lot better. Not yeah. even just like a little better. A right. lot better. And it's been a combined six points. Yep. So... All right, all right, we've convinced me. Anyway, let's move on to our signature games, and let's—I mean, I guess we got to get through them a little quicker. <laughs> we we love talking about UTEP and Texas State, and I, know, right? I mean, poof. Let's start with uh, let's start with my favorite game of the weekend: TCU versus SMU, two thirty p.m. on FS1. TCU is a nine and a half point favorite, and okay, so I've I've been talking. You know, I'm, I've got a lot of people that I know from TCU. Mm-hmm. And their thought process on this game is, well, if we beat Purdue by 21 points, you know, we should be able to to crush SMU. First of all, it's not how this works. Right. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> so, and, and the other thing too, right? So last week against TCU, oh, sorry, last week, TCU, again, I'm, I apologize. Against Purdue. Yeah. against Purdue, TCU was able to run wild, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, Jed Anderson rushes for 179 yards. That and, and and here's the issue: TCU has not had consecutive games with a hundred yard running back since 2016. Ooh. So the idea That's that this is just the new run game, mm-hmm. I I'd love to see it, right. but I'm not assuming. Yeah, because we've never seen that before from TCU. I mean, it, it's just the, the last running back to do it was Kyle Hicks. It's been a while, yeah. you know, and, and we've seen Darius Anderson have awesome games before and then disappear, you know, and, and it's been injuries to an extent too, but like, I don't know, he's got to stay healthy this week too. Mm-hmm. And um, 
so and and then the other thing too is that obviously offensively passing game wise like SMU is on another planet than than TCU is right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they've got the best wide receiver duo in the in the in the state arguably mm-hmm. and a quarterback who can get them the ball. What are you thinking about this game? So I'm thinking TCU covers comfortably. Okay. I just think that the biggest, obviously, the biggest thing that TC wants to avoid is a shootout. Sure. Right? Because you can't keep pace with this offense if you're TCU. I don't think their defense is going to let that happen. No. I just don't think Shane Bichelle. Last week, Shane Bichelle was okay. I I really did not think he was very good. He was he was fine to bad, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the running game bailed him out, and not even the running game. The running game in the second half bailed him out. Um, we've seen SMU give up a lot on the ground against UNT. Um, they held Texas State in check pretty fairly, and they held who's their first game? Uh, Arkansas State. They held Arkansas State pretty fairly. Right. UNT was a little some was a little bit of a blemish on the uh, Trey Sergers. I believe had a really good game. Yeah, 188 yards. Yeah, so had a really good game. I just think the talent gap between us, uh, what TCU is going to try to do, and again, SMU is going to be looking for the run, right? They know that they're going to want to make them pass. Uh, they're going to want to make TCU pass. I just think that a, a TCU is physical enough to assert itself. And I think last week, let's put it this way, I'm not worried about SMU running the ball on TCU. Like yeah. as much as we saw from that three-headed monster last week and what could be a three-headed monster later in the season against uh, AAC um, um, defenses, I just don't think TCU is that defense. And I don't think that TCU is going to let Sam, uh, Shane Bichelle throw for 300 yards either. Yeah. I, so, so here's the thing. TCU's defense is far and away the best unit on the field. Yep. Right? I mean, it's not even close. Mm-hmm. After that, though, I mean, I think that you could make a pretty good argument that – SMU's offense and then SMU's defense are the next two best units on the field. Sure. Um, last week, TCU was able to keep things close enough with their defense until they just broke away and ran wild, right? Mm-hmm. And and again, talking to some of my TCU friends, that, that's what they're saying. They're like, we just think we'll be able to, you know, this game is typically close at halftime and then they just pull away, right? right. So, because TCU doesn't have the horses. Yeah. I mean, SMU, sorry, doesn't have I mean, the horses. Yeah, right, right, right. I kind of think SMU has the horses this year. Not to win, mm-hmm. but I don't think that it's just going to be, we're worn out, it's over. Sure. Like, I just don't think it's going to be that kind of game. Okay. Um, I do think that TCU is going to be able to keep their running game in check. And not only that, I think they're going to be able to keep their running game in check without bringing that much safety help mm-hmm. um, because the defensive line is just so good. Um, I think that, and that's the issue, right? Is that TCU can keep the run game in check with you know with six guys, mm-hmm. and then they can single cover James Prochet because Jeff Gladney's the best corner in the state, sure. and then you know they can have help for the other guys. Mm-hmm. You know that that's the issue with TCU is that they're just so good at everything on defense, right? But I also do think that SMU is going to sell out to a certain extent to stop TCU's running game, mm-hmm. you know, and I think no that they'll move. Patrick Nelson down into the box a whole lot. Um, you know, I think they'll move Rodney Clements down into the box a whole lot. And I think they're going to dare TCU's quarterbacks to try and beat them. Now, maybe they still try and bracket Rager or, mm-hmm. you know, bring safety help on Rager. You know, if, if I was calling this game, and Kevin Kane is a way better defensive mind than me, obviously. <laughs> right. um, but if I, if I were coaching this game, you know, I'm bringing safety help over the top on uh, Jalen Rager. Um, and, and obviously putting you know whoever my best corner is on him. Yeah. Um, I'm single covering all the rest of the receivers uh, without any help, and then I'm bringing whatever safeties I have left into the box, and just saying, you are not going to run on us because we're not there. You know, maybe you break a tackle, maybe you get through. Things happen, mm-hmm. but you are not going to beat us with numbers in the run game. You know, you you're gonna have to beat us with Max Duggan. You're gonna have to beat us with Alex Delton. Mm-hmm. And it's not only that, you're not gonna beat us with Jalen Rager. You're gonna beat us with whoever else you got. You're gonna have to beat us with Tay Barber. You're gonna have to beat us with Alvontre Woodard, whoever. Mm-hmm. And again, I I think that it's going to get ugly. I think it's going to be an ugly game at times. And you know, the real question. And now on the other side, Shane Bouchelle, I think has not responded well to pressure in his entire career. Sure. 
Um, you know, it's been one of his greatest weaknesses, and TCU's going to bring a lot of pressure. So on that other end, I think that they're going to have to find a way to uh, to get the ball out of his hands quick. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to have to. But, you know, they have the receivers to do that, mm-hmm. uh, of course. It's going to be an ugly game. I think it's going to be a pretty low-scoring game, um, even though there are, you know, the, the names coming into this game are Prochet and Rager and, and, and you know, Darius Prochet, Anderson. Yeah. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Um, TCU wins. It feels comfortable, but it doesn't feel good. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll take them within the nine. Okay. So, so I'm going to pick them to cover. It. They're not going to win, mm-hmm. but if they found some weird way to win, if if Bouchelle just stands tall in the pocket, if Brochet beats him for a touchdown one time, right. if, if maybe they're able to run the ball more effectively than we think with mm-hmm. you know with their three-headed monster between Xavier Jones and Kamon Freeman and, and now TJ McDaniel, if they're able to get something going, and, and even on the other end, maybe wear them out, it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world to me. I think that this SMU team could be really good, and I do think we'll learn a lot about both these teams this weekend. If TCU goes out and kicks the crap out of SMU... If it's last year's game, basically. Right. Then I think you have to feel real good about where TCU is right now. Oh, for sure. But, I don't know, man. I gotta see... You can't throw for 75 yards against SMU and win. You just That's can't. Fair. That's fair. You just that can't. Is fair. That is fair. Uh, and is just better at most... Th- Purdue has Rondell Moore. Mm-hmm. And other than that, SMU is better at almost everything yeah. than, than what Purdue's doing right now. Okay, moving on. Texas versus Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. 6.30 p.m. on ABC. Texas is a five-point favorite. This is a fascinating game. This is very fascinating. Um, golly, because Texas showed everything you wanted them to show after, Definitely. A, after a devastating loss. I think that we can say at this point that they're a legit top 10 type of team. For sure. For sure. I think that the game they played against LSU, how LSU's looked overall, I think we look at LSU potentially as a top five team right now. Right. Um, And I think I said it, you know, that game said a lot more about LSU than it did about Texas. Oh, sure. Right. Exactly. And conversely, on the other side, Oklahoma State's offense is back. And it looks (laughs) really, really good under Spencer Sanders. And especially when he's like, have they really unleashed Tylen Wallace this year yet? Like, have they thrown to him? Let me see how many yards. Is he? Oh yeah, he has three ninety. Okay, yep. so he's so, uh, so at this moment. At this moment, here's the fun stat. Yeah, Oklahoma State has the leading receiver and the leading rusher in the nation. Whoo man! Yeah, ah, and yeah, <laughs> one of the most exciting quarterbacks right, uh, young quarterbacks right now. Yeah. So this game, here's what this game is going to tell us. Yes. Are Texas is Texas's corners a season long problem? Because there's one thing to be said about reps, and you know yeah. later in November this could be a problem solved on it in and of itself. But Todd Orlando's not playing zone anytime soon. So so here's the one way that I'll push back on that okay. is that Chris Boyd was a senior, sure, who was all Big Twelve. Some people picked him as the conference defensive player of the year. Sure, right? we can debate whether that was fair or not. Whatever, mm-hmm. but. You know, a, a legit, very good cornerback. Sure, Tylen Walls is just that good. Well, I'm not. I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying if if you know Green gives up 200 to Tylen Wallace, right? And we're looking back, and his Bolitnikov video is just the Texas game, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Like, I'm not saying that. Oh, they're doomed. Yeah. Right. But if Spencer Sanders throws for 410, yeah. Like again, Joe Burrow had a good game, and Joe Burrow in that offense might just be really good for LSU. But there were some. Some overreactions to that game as far yeah. as the secondary was concerned. Yeah. But a lot of it was things we saw coming with Texas, right? Problems sure. we saw coming with Texas. Oklahoma State is going to be one of the better offenses they see this year. Texas, I mean. Uh, Texas is going to be uh, – Oklahoma State's going to be one of the better offenses Texas has seen this season. But when you look at their schedule, this is – I mean, th- are, they're not going to be that much far and away the best. Yeah, they're going to face Oklahoma. They're going to face Baylor. They're going to face. I mean, at this rate, Kansas State's moving the ball. Look real um, good. We'll see where. I mean, they played Tech at the end of the year. Alan Bowman might be healthy then. So this, as far as this is con- their schedule is concerned, Oklahoma State's on par with the offenses they're going right, to see this season. Right, right. And so that's my concern when it comes to if the corners again get beat because they're going to because it's Tylen Wallace because Orlando's going to have them playing man on him just because that's how his defense works. I'd be worried about where Texas's record is. Not exactly how good, how 
it could be the A&M thing where they win eight games and they're better than last year, right. but teams look at it and be like, what the heck happened to Texas? <laughs> right. Um, I just worry about in that in that regard. I am curious uh, because you do look at um, you do look at Oklahoma State. So Oklahoma State at this moment mm-hmm. has 785 passing yards, right? Mm-hmm. 390 of those receiving yards are by Tylen Wallace. Yeah. <laughs> so there is when it comes to the passing game, there yeah. is a hey man, you just gotta you just gotta find a way. Why don't we make the whole plane out of Tylen Wallace? <laughs> <laughs> right, and I mean. And obviously the issue then being is that you can't take too much safety help and, right. and bring it over the top because then Chuba Hubbard's going to eat you alive because yep. he has 521 rushing yards in three games. And seven touchdowns. Yep. Oh, my God. Oh, and uh, by the way, when you clank, uh, key in on Chuba Hubbard, Spencer Sanders can run. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's Spencer already, Sanders always can run, too. He, in three games, Spencer Sanders has 219 rushing yards. Yeah. So. So, <laughs> so guess what? They're good at everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, this is going to be a good – whether or not they get blown out or they shut this offense down or whatever, this is going to be a great matchup for Texas in terms of, all right, what do you got? Right. What do you got? Can you face, can you match up against big 12 offenses and multifaceted big 12 offenses? Cause this, right. that's, that's one thing I will say about this Oklahoma state team. They're an obvious, they're, they're on par to above average of what they're going to see in the Big 12. Yeah. But they're probably the best balanced team they're going to see. Yeah. I, one of the best balanced teams they're going to see by far. Yeah. Well, and, and when it comes to receiver and running back combo, mm-hmm. this is probably the best in the Big 12. Yep. Um, you know, and, and Sanders has looked really good. I do want to see, you know, is this is this going to keep up? Oh, sure. You sure. know, I mean, I, I think that obviously we can't take too, too much from, from what's happened early in the year because mm-hmm. they've only played Oregon State, McNeese, and Tulsa. Sure. But the early signs are good. I do think that, obviously, I think that Hubbard is for real, for real. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, too, their defense has only been okay. I was going to say, there's one thing average. we haven't mentioned yet, and right. there's a reason why. is because Texas' offense might be the reason they win this game. Actually, right. it probably will be the reason it, they win it, this it game. It will be. It will be. And, I mean, last week, the thing is, too, is that Oklahoma State can also be a streaky team. Yeah. You know, I mean, so last week, they were actually down at the half 21-20 to Tulsa. Oh, wow. And now it, it was one of those things where it's like, okay, that's just a thing that's happening. Sure. You know, and, and I will say, you know, as, as a Baylor guy, uh, Zach Smith, starting quarterback at Tulsa, I am taking that half as a victory in the, in the, uh, for Baylor. So, <laughs> so they start with a, uh, with a 21-20 lead when they play Baylor? <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. I, I don't know how this works. But, <laughs> property. But, but we, we get an extra 21 points, I think is what I'm saying. There you go. But, uh, but um, Anyway, uh, you know, so Oklahoma State, this is, you know, they have it all on offense, and but they can be streaky, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and Texas is going to be able to take away Hubbard more than most teams sure. um, with their front five-ish, you know, well, you can't even call it a front seven anymore, right, exactly. but, but I do like the spread. I think minus five is perfect because yeah. Texas should be favored, but they've always played Oklahoma State, even when, even the national title years, even the when Texas was at its at its peak, Oklahoma State was always an odd stumbling block, and I I think that's just Mike Gundy knowing how to play these athletes, knowing how to yeah. play no matter who's at the helm, right? Um, I think it's just Mike Gundy knowing how to play against Texas and knowing how to play in this environment. Um, I think minus five is a perfect perfect line for this game. Who you got? I got Texas minus five. I got Texas minus five as well. All right, let's move on. Last game: Texas A and M versus Auburn, two thirty p.m. on CBS. Texas A&M is a four-point favorite at home. So here's the one thing that you say about this game, right? Yeah. Uh, Texas A&M had the hardest schedule in college football coming into the year because they had to play four of like the top six teams. Yep. Auburn is also number eight. I was about to say, punt Auburn in there now. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you just got to toss them in there now. Yep. Now, I will say, I mean, uh, let's actually pull up the AP poll right now just to just take a look, but sure. like, it's, I mean, if you look at those other teams that they're playing, you know, that actually, dear God, oh. right now they're one, two, three, four. <laughs> oh, that is fun. Yeah. Oh, God. Aggies, trust us. Oh, God. Trust us when we say eight wins is a fantastic season. Trust us. Seven when we, wins not, is still a very good not, season. Yeah, exactly. Trust us when we say oh, seven, God. eight wins should be considered a success. This is a brutal brutal <laughs> schedule do not i don't want to see fire jimbo uh planes oh, no, flying no if way. they do, if they lose five games 
they probably should lose five games. You like know, I will say, I'm I'm not going to be super worried about that. I think that uh, well, one, I think we'll hear some. Uh, I think the more fun thing we'll be hearing some. Well, well, Sumlin didn't leave much behind, right? Exactly, and and yeah, uh, like, okay. and, <laughs> and we'll also hear. Uh, well, you know, but we are the best seven and five team in the country. But there won't be. You know, there's they'll be to absolutely freaking right. Uh, but it is, yeah. and that's also considering that they don't like stumble against Mississippi State or something. That's oh, also considering they take oh, yeah. care of business against the games. I mean, I, I was talking to a, I was talking to a guy over there, and and he was like, you know, like it won't be this year. Yeah, but like just mathematically, someday we will lose to Arkansas. Oh God, yeah. And <laughs> you know what? We will at some point lose to South Carolina again. At some point, yeah. right? Like they're and that's it won't be this year, yeah. right? Like they're going to be too focused in those games. But like, they're. There are not a lot of gimmies on that schedule. Nope. And we thought Auburn was going to be a 50-50 game, and all of a sudden Auburn's top 10 in the country. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think somehow that even... Somehow got harder. The schedule I think, somehow got harder. I think even even more than that, like, coming into the year, we're like, all right, well, this is an 8-4 and four team. But, like, that's a lot of assumption. Yeah. That's, again, that's assuming everything else goes right. <laughs> right. So, so again, Annan plays number one Clemson, which they already lost to, yep. number two Alabama, number three Georgia, number four LSU, and they play... Three of those four on the road. <laughs> Dear God. And, and, okay, so now I will say, Auburn, obviously, extremely yeah. good. Mm-hmm. But I'm not as sold on Auburn as being number eight in the country. It's because I think, I mean. Well, they beat Oregon. I mean, that's a yes. big part of it. Yes, exactly. No, it was. It, I think a lot of people expected Oregon to kind of catapult itself into, like, the dark horse national title race because if they be heading into the season just because the Pac-12 is there for the taking, if they would have won that right. game, it probably would have put them at the forefront. And so Auburn coming out with a freshman quarterback who's looked okay, right? Bo Nix, I think, yeah. that, I think that first game kind of put his hype a little bit too far. He's kind of come back to earth a little bit. But he's still a freshman. You know, he's making freshman things. Um, but here's my thing. Is there – name me mm, – is Auburn a top three combustible job in <laughs> combustible program okay. in this well, country? Well, here's the issue when it comes to Auburn, right? And I mean, not not to get too far off track, but Auburn will be—I don't want to call it the hardest job in the country, but it's the—it's the job where you will get the least praise just because Alabama's your rival, be right? It, It's—I mean—and and for example, I mean that's what. That's what um, you know. Oklahoma State was forever before Mike Gundy got there. Sure, you know, and I mean, <laughs> just look at. I mean, just look yeah. at. Just look at right now. Gus Malzahn should be an absolute god in right. Auburn. He right. brought them a national title right. with a head coach that probably wasn't. Definitely should not have been a head coach. Right, and brought him back to the national title. He game. brought he he brought him back to the national title game in the prime of Saban era. Right, in the middle of Saban era, he right. coordinated the offense of one of the greatest individual seasons of all time with Cam Newton. He brought them back with probably an undermanned. Uh, I don't want to say under, eh, kind of an undermanned. I mean, Nick Marshall was good, but like they weren't. He was pound yeah, for pretty, pound yeah. with Alabama and all right. that that year, and they brought them to a national title. Right, um, to the national title game at least. And he's still wondering week to week if he's going to keep his job. Right, <laughs> Auburn is. You're juggling nitroglycerin every single week in Auburn, and that's why. <sighs> I'm, I'm taking Auburn. Yeah, <laughs> but that's why it should shock absolutely no one if A&M comes out and wins by more than their spread. The spread's minus four, right? Yeah. So if they come out at Kyle Field and take care of business and look really good, I would not be shocked. I'm taking Auburn because I think de- their defensive line is just too imposing to be able to let A&M do anything on offense. But Auburn's just that job, just that program. And it's been that program where you look up and you're like, huh, A&M's up 21-3, to three, huh? <laughs> and no one would be shocked. Here's my concern. Yeah. A&M had a true sophomore running back starting mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. And now he's gone. Yep. So now their best running back is a true freshman mm-hmm. who was playing at Klein Collins last year. Yep. A really good player at Klein Collins, but, but was playing at Klein, Klein Collins. Collins. And on top of that, their offensive line has only been okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the issue is too, right, is that we've seen this from Kellen Mond too, where he can just be streaky. You know, and, and we saw, you know, the streaks get going against uh, Texas State and he just obliterated them. Yeah. Like, like just 
pinpoint yeah. accuracy, right? Like, mm-hmm. it looked amazing. And then it just completely disappeared. Right. And, and we saw it last year against Clemson, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But then this year, we see kind of the flip side of that, right? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> here's the issue. You have to pray that the four bad streaky games from Kellen Mond are against Clemson, Alabama, LSU, and uh, whoever the fourth one. Georgia. Georgia, yeah. It, you have to pray that it's against those if, he, if he's going to have a couple of those. Yeah. And if he has a streaky game like last year, he had streaky games against both Auburn and Mississippi State, mm-hmm. and they lost both those games. I'm taking A&M. Okay. And virtually the only reason that I'm taking A&M is because – they need this game so bad. They do. They need it so bad. They definitely do. Auburn can lose this game, and you know what? If if they beat Alabama at the end of the year, then it was a good season. Right. They're all, they're gauged on one game. If they lose that game, beating A and M won't matter. Sure. I think that A and M has the better quarterback. That's fair. I think that they are further along on offense right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that A&M's defense has actually looked very good mm-hmm. f- through the first three weeks of the year. Um, but we can't have we just we just can't have a bad Kellen Mond game. And that's why I take Auburn. Yeah, because the thing about Kellen Mond that frustrates me the most is that when when we see the bad Kellen Mond game, it's not the bad Ben Hicks game, right, where he throws three picks. Right. Or it's not, or the, or to use the NFL, the Jay Cutler, right, where it's like, oh, God, why is he throwing four picks in, you right. know, in, a, in a half? It's like, oh, he missed a five-yard out. Right. Oh, he missed a screen. Right. Oh, he just, like, it's passes where you're like, okay, no, that's, that's, that's high school, that's practice. Right. You should be hitting those in practice. Because that, like, that, was, that was the bad game against Clemson, where he was just missing open dudes in checkdowns. And that's what scares me about him is that he doesn't just go out in a blaze of glory, just like, screw it, we're, I'm <laughs> trying to win this game. He's like, ah, uh, no one's open downfield, check down, oops, it's still incomplete. Right. <laughs> and against Auburn, right. where you're not going to be able to run the ball. Sorry, yeah. you're not. No, you're not. And you're going to have dudes in your face, so you're going to be looking for those check down routes. Right. That's where, I, that's where I'm really worried, and that's why I'm taking Auburn. Because even though, yes, I trust him more than Bo Nix, I trust this Auburn defense against this A&M defense. If Bo Nix may hit a dude in stride down the field, A&M's defense is going to break once or twice. Right. And I trust Bo Nix to take advantage of that as opposed to Auburn giving that up to Kellen Mond. So here's here's the one stat that I'll give you Mm -hmm. that maybe makes this a little better. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Kellen Mond at home last year uh, completed 60% of his passes Mm – uh, nearly 2,000 yards, 8.2 yards per pass attempt. Here's the real kicker. 19 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. On the road last year, 54% completion, 6.8 yards per pass attempt, 4 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. So, oh, actually, I didn't even mention. 151 passer rating at home, 114 on the road. Oh, wow. It's that That's stark. That's impressive. And And which also, by the way, I mean, I will say, that is also the astonishingly concerning thing about playing three of those games that we talked about on the road. Sure, sure. You know, is that, holy crap, he's playing good teams and he's playing them on the road, right? Yeah, where he's not comfortable. <laughs> right, we saw, we saw him against Clemson last year. And it's funny because the, the numbers against Clemson on the road this year actually weren't horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, 24 for 42, 236 yards, touchdown interception. That doesn't sound that bad. And it doesn't really do justice to how bad he was for most of that game. Sure. I mean, I, I don't even know how many of these yards came on the last drive, right. you know, which kind of were pointless. Mm-hmm. Um, but at home, he has been so much consistently better. That's and true. And not, not that Texas State and Lamar should show you anything. No, but I mean, his his breakout pro last year against Clemson was right. at home. Like, it was, right. it was in the middle of Caulfield. He, obviously, there's something about playing in front of that crowd that does it for him. Well, and I mean, it's it's a great crowd, obviously, and yeah. I mean, I, and, and it, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what it means, you know. And, I mean, and, it, I mean, it could just mean he, I mean, <laughs> it could just mean that he's he's comfortable, he's more comfortable at home. That hostile right. environments may get to him more because, again, it's the it's the type of errors he makes on the road, right? Right? It's those flats where you're like, oh, you're why was why'd you put that much on that pass, right. right? Right? To where it's like it might be an adrenaline thing, who knows? But that's that's a good point that I did not consider that he yeah. does play really well at home. Right. 
So I'm sticking with Auburn, but yeah. I will. <laughs> actually, I'm I'm just this is this is an aside. I'm looking at that North Carolina State bowl game from last year. Yeah. I did not realize fourteen of twenty six hundred forty yards touchdown interception. That's really bad. That's really bad. Oof, I don't know. That's yeah. I don't know. I mean, but playing at home, playing in front of Kyle Field, I think he's going to not at least not play a bad game. Yeah. Sure, you know, we'll sure. see whether it's a good game. Sure. But I do think that you are safer to think that he won't play a bad game. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take AM, and I have zero confidence in that. <laughs> Just absolutely zero confidence in that. Um, so we will see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. This, I will say this week is basically like the week where we figure out what these teams are. Yeah. This, this for, is the week where the vast majority of these right. teams, we're going to figure out what exactly these teams are. They're playing teams better or on par finally. Um, enough speculating, enough projecting. It's going to be okay. Let's let's see what you got. <laughs> right. All right. Well, we'll just going through them real quick. Houston at Tulane Thursday night. Uh, both of us are picking Houston. Rice versus Baylor. Both of us are picking uh, Baylor. TC versus SMU. I got SMU to cover. He's got TCU. Both of us are picking Texas. Uh, I'm picking Texas A&M. He's picking Auburn. Uh, I'm picking UNT. He's picking UTSA. Both of us have Nevada. Both of us have Texas State. All right. Whew. Man, this week is going to be nuts. Whew. This there, week is going to be nuts. There's going to be uh, I want I can't wait to see the overreactions to this week. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of them. Like I'm oh going to have man. a lot of them. Oh man, I am ready to overreact to everything we see this week. Yeah. Well, I will tell you what though. For the games that we disagree on, mm-hmm. Ish has been astonishingly better picking this year than I have. I, I actually don't have the numbers in front of me, but it, to be clear, uh-huh. I'm still well above 500, but he is just like freaking killing me right now <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on again well, so like I, I said we'll figure out if this week changes <laughs> it where you just absolutely blow me out of the water right right well, well let's let's hope so yeah so anyway thank you so much as always to everybody for joining us uh again like i mentioned on the sunday show basketball magazine is coming up yep. and it's going to make both of our lives a lot harder for, <laughs> for a couple of weeks there but uh but it's going to be exciting uh, again we I can't wait to reveal uh, our, our cover. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be wait a lot to. of fun. We're going to actually do it live, I believe, on Text Football today. Yes. So um, make sure, we'll let you know when exactly that's going to be. But I promise you, this is this was the first year that we did a photo shoot. Mm-hmm. I, I think that I can at least give away that information. Exactly. No, no, no. That's that's perfect. And uh, and trust me, I think I think you're going to like it. Um, you know, and and I will say I'm writing the cover story, so you know, there you go. Yeah, I want to check out the magazine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, if you have not already, please subscribe. Text football.com slash subscribe it really helps us out it really helps us do some really cool stuff and we have a premium podcast coming too um you know just which is gonna we're still trying to figure out what exactly it's gonna be but it's it's gonna be a lot of fun and it's gonna allow kind of me and ish to talk a little bit more uh, a little bit more candidly you know give away some stuff that maybe we wouldn't be willing to give away on this more public show let's say um but yeah, you can find all of our work at TexasFootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. Uh, thanks again to our sponsor, North Texas Honda Dealers. All right. Uh, Ish, am I, am I finally allowed to go to bed? <laughs> you can sleep. All right. All right. Thanks so much, everybody. And we'll talk to you again on Sunday.